Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I can see your face, Nicky. You just look disgusted. Unbelievable. Hello and welcome to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. It's a night of celebrations, guys. Um, a very unhappy Nicholas Carroll is joining me. As ever, I'm Connor Clancy, your host. I'm in great spirits tonight. Nick, are you as happy as I am? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. <laughs> Why? What's wrong? Um, yeah, it hasn't been a good, yeah, what, two months now? So, no, but I'm happy to be here talking uh, culture football as always. Um, yeah, that's going to work. Along anyway, at least the listeners will be happy to hear you. And also joining us is, I think, for the to complete the hat trick this season, maybe it's the fourth appearance. Vito Doria, Vito, welcome along. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Yeah, always good to be on here. So, yeah, looking forward to the conversation this morning okay. here in Australia. Are you of in course, the course, on your neck? I would say that uh, at least with my team, we just seem to be in holiday mode already. they seem content with mid-table mediocrity well my boys will be joining yours in holiday mode this week don't you worry about that Um, just remember that if you are watching this video live on FIF TV and if you are listening to it later on as a podcast that if you like the work we do you can help us out a little bit by heading over to patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football and contribute with whatever you are able to contribute and every contribution is very much appreciated. Um, those of you who contribute already will have gotten an email to say we're reevaluating the reward system. Those new rewards will be going up as soon as. But let's start off this week's podcast then and we will begin at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome where Roma beat Juventus 3-1, which personally I didn't see coming at all. Um, even when I saw the Juventus team, it was a bit weakened, but Roma surprised many with this result. Nick, do you think it's fair to say that Juventus were a bit unlucky here? Which it's something you'd already say about Juve, but Buffon wasn't quite at his best. There was the deflection for the second goal, I think it was, that Al-Shirawi got, and maybe they had a penalty turned down as well. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, how many games you can make that argument, sure, but you could also make the same argument against Juventus for many of their wins this season. So I think it's fair enough to, to say that Roma deserved that victory. Um, clearly, as you mentioned, Juventus didn't go in with their strongest team. Um, and I think it's in some ways that did um, show, but credit to Roma really. Um, and Luciano Spalletti, I think to come out with that, such an attacking formation, it was basically a four, two, four, um, 
starting with Salah, Nangalan, Perotti and El Sharawe. So, um, you know, he didn't kind of sit back and just, um, you know, sit deep and let Juve kind of have at it. He, um, they went for it and um, it seemed to pay off for them. So, um, yeah, good on them. And um, I, th- I think it's a very well-deserved win. Vito, I'll bring you in now. How much credit do you think Roma deserved for this win? Because as we said, it's not a full-strength Juventus and you could probably make the argument that they can still win these games when it's not as important as it might be given that the Scudetto race technically is still on, but Roma have no chance of winning it. So what do you think? Should we praise Roma as if they had just beaten Juventus in a crunch game or should we maybe take a step back and look at it from further afield? I'll probably be a bit on the cynical side and say that perhaps uh, that Roma don't really, look, they deserve credit, but not overly too much credit because, as it's been mentioned, that Juve did not have the best team. The likes of Menatia, Lemina and Storaro started, and they're usually bench warmers or they're mostly options to cover for guys who don't, I mean, who usually start the game. So, in a way, you've got to take the result with a pinch of salt. In saying that, where Roma do deserve credit is regardless if it was a full-strength team or or not, um, for Roma to beat Juventus is still an impressive result because usually an opponent like Juventus, that's when Roma usually tends to have a bit of an inferiority complex or they can bottle those top of games. Yeah, we've just had a comment come in from Iron Holland. Iron, get in touch and tell me how to say your first name properly because I butcher it every week. But he said it's the first time in a long time that it seemed like every Roma player wanted to win the match, which in itself is a huge problem and it touches on the issues we've spoken about with their mentality. It's mm-hmm. When it really matters, they don't seem to do it. And hopefully, for Italian football's sake, they will finish second and get automatically in because you'd fancy Napoli in a Champions League playoff way more than you'd fancy Roma. But um, Nick, Juve rested a lot of players, um, mm. obviously with one eye on the Coppa Italia tomorrow night. We'll get a quick word on that rather than focusing on Juve and Serie A because I'm sure you both agree that the Scudetto is still done. Um, how do we see the game on Wednesday going? Yeah, it's... I mean, you try and look at it in a way that you want it to be competitive, obviously, and I'm sure we'll get to Lazio soon, but um, they also rested a few players. So it's good that, um, in the sense, for the for the stature of the Coppa Italia that both teams look like they really want it, um, which is really good to see, actually, for a, a cup game like this. So obviously the final, but, um, yeah, I'd, my big concern with Lazio is... Um, they, I mean, they've been smashing it in terms of goals recently, as we all know. Um, but against that Juventus defence, it's um, it's a very different outlook for them. And I have a concern that for the, for Lazio fans, if um, I can just see them going for it, going for it, and Juve just sitting back and taking it all, and then even if it's nil all in the, for the until half time, and then Juve just coming out in the second half and steamrolling them basically because. I feel like they're, they're the team that would get frustrated eventually and then that's when basically the Bianconeri usually pounce. So it would be great to see Lazio do it and, um, you know, I, I won't say my biased opinions against Juve, but, um, you know, it, it would be nice to see a team like Lazio take out the cup, um, I'll be honest. So it's, it's yeah, it's just diff- really difficult to see happening, unfortunately, against that Juventus team when you look at what they've done to the likes of Barcelona. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago when Lazio were challenging for the league. It was I think they finished second or third that year. It was them and Roma, basically, that were going for it against Juve. And we went over to a bunch of the riders from Forza Italian Football, went to one of the games and expecting Lazio to cause a bit of an upset and Juve just steamrolled them. I think it was 2-0, but it was so comfortable. And that's kind of what we've come so used to seeing from Juventus. Mm. It doesn't matter how well the other team are performing, Juve just know how to get these results. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think really the Lazio's only chance, if they can get an early goal right away, like, I mean, Keita Balde has been in 
incredible following. I think it's seven goals in like four games or something ridiculous. Like, um, he's been incredible. So if they can just get a quick counter, like basically take them while they're not even, you know, into the game yet and throw Juve off the game, that's, that's really the only kind of way I can see Lazio getting a victory here. Yeah, Vito, they did, Lazio, that is, did play in Serie A the weekend as well, and they lost 3-2 to Fiorentina. Um, personally, I was a bit surprised by this myself. I didn't get to see the game. But do you think that Bianca Celesti had one eye on the Coppa Italia final as well? Uh, recent form would indicate that Lazio's mindset is on the Coppa Italia final because that result on the weekend was just unlike Lazio in the last three or four weeks. Lazio have been registering some easy wins in Serie A and scoring free-flowingly. So to lose 3-2 or beat in Florence, I think it was a little bit of a surprise. But uh, I don't think that would be too preoccupied with the loss because of the Coppa Italia final, as we are mentioning. And also, even if they don't win the Coppa Italia final, um, European football secured for next season anyway. So um, I think it was just a matter of uh, Simone Inzaghi just making sure that he had a decent enough team for Fiorentina. And, of course, on uh, Wednesday night, they're more concentrated and focused for the Juve encounter. Yeah, so yeah. Nick, Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, th- I think it's very easy to see the, the, the mindset of Inzaghi going into the Fiorentina match in that um, they had they started with four of the players that they started with the week previously against Sampdoria. So, you know, starting without the likes of Lucas Biglia, um, to me, who's been one of the best players in Serie A, yeah, um, Milinkovic, Savic, um, Lulic, Anderson came on from the bench later, um, and then De Vrij in defence. So, this, you know, they're basically Lazio's biggest names um, that didn't start. So, you know, and it's fair enough because, you know, they've secured that fourth place. So not it's not holding anything against them. But um, I, I think we can kind of, um, you know, let this kind of loss pass um, and fair game to them for wanting to do well in the Coppa Italia. Yeah, they're a really exciting team. And it is kind of, you do kind of just have to hand it to them. They've, they've done brilliantly well to have this fourth place solidified so early on. Um, when the club, as we've said many times, were a bit of a mess coming into the season. But if we're going to look at Fiorentina then, they made the most of Inter losing and Milan drawing. They're now a point behind Milan in the table. Um, They do play Napoli this week. I think that's at the San Paolo as well. But do you think that Laviola can swoop in and get that final Europa League place? Nick, or Vito, I'll bring you back in again. Uh, what was this regarding? Sorry. Uh, just Fiorentina. They're now Fiorentina. Yeah, they're now a point behind Milan, and they're three ahead of Inter. I'm just wondering, do you think they can overtake Milan and get the final Europa League place? I think it's possible because AC Milan's form has not been impressive at all in the last month or so, and Fiorentina. Well, I've been getting some decent results in recent weeks without being overly impressive, although a few weeks ago they did beat into 5-4, so it does show that they can still score a handy amount of goals. It, again, it's all down to momentum, and at the moment Fiorentina still has better momentum than the Rossoneri. The Rossoneri can't score too many goals, whereas Fiorentina, okay, they had Kalinic scoring on the weekend, but even in recent weeks... Kuma Babaka has been scoring as well. So for him to contribute as well is very useful for Paulo Sousa's side. Yeah, Nick, what are your thoughts then on that? Um, we don't really speak about Fiorentina that much, and when we do, we tend to just laugh at them for losing. So in the interest of balance, I guess, do you think they can overturn that one-point deficit with the fact that they have to play Napoli? Uh, no, I don't think they can, mainly because, I mean, as you mentioned, they're playing Napoli this week and, in you know, without wanting to take the piss, um, I think Napoli will very easily deal with them. Um, and AC Milan at home to Bologna, it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's 
easily winnable for them, but they should at least get a result and then um, it will go down to the last week, I guess. So, you know, if Milan win this weekend, obviously it's um, – and, and Fiorentina lose, then it is obviously over. But, yeah, I, I just – I think that will pretty much do it. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> there's anything more to add. No, that's it. Milan's fixtures are way kinder than having to go to the San Paolo. Yeah. Um, Torino Napoli, then the Parthenope won five nil. Um, they're on fire again. I don't really know what more we can say about their attack that we haven't already. Nick, have you anything to say that we already haven't? Uh, but you could. We could have a play a two-hour highlights reel of us <laughs> talking about the um Napoli's attack all, all season on the podcast because I mean every week or every other week at least we're talking about something amazing um, Merton's form um Callahan chipping in whether it's Hamsik scoring a magnificent goal assists um and then Insigne when he has those little bubbles as well so yeah <laughs> pick, yeah, pick either one of them they're they're all <laughs> you know pretty amazing <laughs> Yeah, Zielinski got in on the act this week as well. I was I was at this game, fortunately, and we got in late, but missed. So we missed Callahan's goal because of a mess outside the stadium. But uh, fortunately, we were behind the goal that Napoli were shooting into in the second half. So we saw four goals up close. Vito, you haven't been on the pod that regularly this season. So just get some of your thoughts on Napoli then if, if you want. To just send some praise towards their attack and Maurizio Sarri, I guess. Well, for Napoli, it was another, well, it's become the point that these sort of wins have become a routine for them because they're not the team that just slows down at one or two nil like a Juventus. Admittedly, Juve are a far more balanced team and have greater depth, but Napoli, at least for the style of play and the way Sarri gets the best out of the squad at his disposal, it's still a fantastic style of football to watch and they're just a goal-scoring machine as well. A lot of praise does go to Mertens and Insigne, and deservedly so, because they've got great pace, great skill, can score spectacular goals as well, but Cajon in particular, I don't think he gets enough recognition, maybe because in comparison to, say, his compatriots, they play in much bigger teams uh, in Spain and England, so he's a bit maligned, but even in this Napoli team, he usually starts on the right wing, and I can't recall him getting dropped very often or getting rested by Sadi that often. He seems to be one of those names on the team sheet that's always there. And in addition to his skills, he's a hardworking player, so he does the teamwork, drop back, and uh, you know he runs that touchline as well. So I, I could say, in a way, in comparison to Mertens and Insigne, He's definitely one of those uh, unsung heroes in the Napoli attack. And sometimes I wonder how different Sadi's setup would be if Kayon had picked up an injury or suspension. Yeah, I'm glad that you have sent him some praise there, to be honest, because he is the one player that's always overlooked. It's always Mertens and Sinja and even Milik when he was fit back, way back at the beginning of the season. One thing I noticed after this game was that there was a lot of praise going towards Napoli's attack, but... To be perfectly honest, and maybe a little bit controversial, I they weren't that wasn't the best performance we've seen from them this year. And Torino made it very, very easy for them. They just cannot defend. This is something that Sinisa Mihailovic surely has to address in the summer. But Nick, where do you think he should be looking to strengthen this defense? Because Joe Hart's probably gonna leave and the back three is still kind of a makeshift defense since last summer. So He's got to make a lot of changes there, surely. Yeah, and I know there is a lot of talk about the the goalkeeping situation with, as you mentioned, Hart probably going to go back to England. Um, but honestly, in my opinion, I don't think the the goalkeeping position is where um, Torino, well, it shouldn't be their main concern in that they shouldn't be spending, you know, a, a large chunk of their um, transfer budget on that, to be honest, I think they really need to spend in their centre-back positions and possibly a, a you know, defensive midfield-type player basically to just give that team a bit more structure because it is it is great when they are in that attacking 
you know, that attacking brand of football is great to watch when it's when it is working. But as you mentioned, that defense can on this at the same time be pretty you know, pitiful um, at times. So, you know, you can't really you can't really take much away from Sinisa Mihalovic in terms of they did lose a lot of that defensive talent before the season. So we kind of all already uh, expected this to happen. So it'll just be a matter of, um, yeah, I, to be honest, I think centre-back and that defensive midfield positions is where they need to spend. Yeah, I think goalkeeper has been kind of a long-term issue for them because Daniela Padelli, who was first choice before Joe Hart, just isn't a very good goalkeeper. I don't know how he kept his place for so long. Joe Hart's had a mm. mixed season, to be generous. He's, he's not been great. Um, he was very bad for a couple of the goals on Sunday. Vito, if they were to bring in a goalkeeper, do you think if Crotone are to go down that, Cordalis would be uh, a good option to go for? I know our team of the week, man, Vieri Capretta, is a big, big advocate of his. I reckon Cordalis would be a very good option. He would. My only concern about Cordalis is that his age, I think he's around 33, maybe 34. I might be wrong on that one but he's he's definitely over 30 so in terms of a long-term option he might not be the best guy there but if Torino really just wants someone for two or three seasons because goalkeepers last longer than on-field players anyway I think Cordas would be an excellent option because even when Crotone was struggling he still had that ability to pull off remarkable saves and he, he He's a goalkeeper that has shown that he can deal with a barrage of shots. So I think he is one option that they could look at. Other options I've heard would, uh, another option is Salvatore Sirigu, the former national team goalkeeper, and he's now at Osasuna in La Liga. So maybe we should, uh, I mean, Torino should have a look at him and try and bring him back to Italy after he's overseas. Yeah, all right, so we'll move on again. Um, this is the moment we've all been waiting for, I think. Um, Atalanta won, Milan won. I was just saying to you beforehand, Nick, that I didn't realise until today that Milan's goal was offside. And I was absolutely delighted with the result until then, and I'm a little bit annoyed now. But that goal, or that point rather, clinches European football for Atalanta next season. They need one more point to clinch automatic Europa League football, which would send them straight into the groups. But as it stands, they've got a Europa League qualifier. Um, Nick, Andrea Conti scored again. It's eighth for the season. Highest scoring defender in Serie A. And he's surely one of the players that'll be so desperate to keep um, keeping hold of these players like Kessie and Conti and pretty much everyone else. Spinazzola is another. Mm. That's got to be their major challenge for the summer ahead, right? Yeah, massively. Um, I think you spoke about it last week when we are talking about how they would possibly do in the Europa League. And it is a major concern because it, it's so good to see a team like this, you know, qualifying and representing Serie A as something new and fresh and, you know, it gets us all a bit excited. But at the same time, you know, you want these clubs to really be able to give it a good go and, you know, actually, you know, do to a respectful job of it. So the last thing you want to see is the club absolutely gutted and then, you know, smashed every week in the, in Europe. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. Um, you'd, you'd hope, you'd hope that, um, at least the Lidia fans will hope that the fact that they were a part of such a, such a big season that, and they, they were the players that actually qualified that they might want to, you know, see it out almost, you know, it's almost like leaving halfway through the the campaign in that it's it's so big for Atalanta to qualify, like you can't stress that enough. So you would hope that keeps a few of them there, but, I mean, there's got to be one or two at least that will go. So it's just a matter of Gasparini possibly working some magic, um, filling those holes as best as possible. Um, hopefully if a couple do leave, they'll get um, big transfer fees and they can spend them wisely. Yeah, well, on that, um, just as we're talking about them, I've seen some breaking news from Sky Sport Italia. Um, it looks like Atalanta and Milan have agreed a fee for Frank Kessi. Um, it's reported as being €28 million Euro at the moment. Whether or not that will actually happen is still up in the air because we've seen 
supposed agreements for Frank Kessie before. Um, it, to be honest, it did look like Kessie was one of the guys who would be leaving this summer uh, if anyone was going to. And 28 million, I'm not so sure. They were holding out for 40, I think, but 28 million isn't bad for a club the size of Atalanta. And just touching on what you were saying about you hope to see a few of the players stay because to continue this this fairy tale really it's Papa Gomez has been saying all season that if they get Europe he'll stay so if you're going to take him on his word he will stay because of that group we've discussed it before how well they get on how much of a tight unit they are hopefully a few more will follow in his footsteps and stick around for another year at least I, there were a lot of rumors when I was over there that um, Leonardo Spinazzola is going to be on his way this summer as well whether that's back to Juve or to somewhere else we don't know but I don't know, hopefully because they've achieved something so good and they've a chance to go even further that a couple of them will stay. One of the comments has come in and he said he's, it's a Roma fan. He'd love to see Papagomas stay or to go to Roma, but apparently I have him loving Atalanta and their football, so he doesn't really want them, want them to leave. Mm. Um, but yeah, if we... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If we want to talk about the celebrations in Bergamo the other night, having been yeah, there, take us to it, Connor. My God, I don't know if you guys have seen the the videos that I took and we posted mm. up on the on this YouTube channel. For, so maybe take a five minute break, go watch yeah, that, and come back, yeah. or just wait till the end of it, preferably, and then go watch it. If you're listening to the podcast, go over to Forza Italian Football on YouTube and. Look at the videos, that video in particular, but oh my God, it was amazing. The celebrations in the stadium themselves itself was quite muted. Um, there were a few cheers, obviously, and there was a few singing, the song that I was singing at the start of the podcast, but then everyone left into the streets and that's when the party started, let me tell you. There were flares, those paper bombs, smoke bombs, flags, chants, until all hours of the morning. I left at about 12 to go get some pizza and I ate the pizza and then went back and joined the celebrations again. And I think I got back to my apartment at about half one, closer to two maybe, but we could still hear the celebrations out the window until about 3 a.m. when we fell asleep. So they could have been going on all night for all we know, but seriously, um, I think our very own Kev P put up a tweet saying that that's the beauty of the Europa League. It's, it's not the same faces every year. Like, you know, in the Champions League, you see the same clubs and, Mm. to see what it means to a club like Atalanta to get into the Europa League. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great story. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted and almost privileged to have been there. And I'm hoping to get over for a few of the games next season. Hopefully they can cl- get one more point and clinch the group stage at least. Um, so if, if that's it for the, the good news, we'll, we'll move on to the other Nerazzurri. Um Inter were beaten 2-1 by Sassuolo. We do have a couple of Sassuolo fans who listen. So, Vito, I think it's only right to start off by looking at the Nero Verdi. 
do you want to give Sassuolo and maybe Eusebio Di Francesco some praise? What did they do to to get this big three points at the San Siro? Well, Di Francesco should be praised for the way he set up his team because although he's lauded as a Zem and disciple, he did not go and commit, you know, defensive suicide. He didn't have a high defensive line. He had a more Italianized mindset. And what he did was that his team just soaked up the pressure first, or and I use that term loosely because uh, Inter were rather predictable and not overly energetic in their attacks. So Sassuolo just waited for the right time to strike, and that's what they did. And I felt that they might have even scored a third goal before Inter got the consolation. But, yeah, it was just about knowing when to attack, and when they did attack, they broke rather quickly. The one particular player who should be given praise is obviously the goal scorer, Pietro Iamello, because he scored two goals. And let's face it, he's the third-choice centre-forward at Sassuolo because De Freo's usually number one and Matri's second choice. So I think it's quite remarkable considering that he isn't the first-choice centre-forward. And another thing to keep in mind is that last season he was playing for Foggia in Liga Pro and he was very prolific in Liga Pro. But to make the jump from third division to Serie A and although Inter are in a on-field crisis, I still think to take those leaps, I think that's uh, very impressive on his part. Yeah, definitely. And we've seen Sassuolo struggle this year. It seems to have stemmed from the fact that they were playing in the Europa League earlier this season. But Vito, I'll stick with you. Do you think they can go back to maybe not the heights they reached last year of finishing, was it fifth or sixth, but to being to becoming an established top 10 side in Serie A? I reckon they can do that because next season they won't have the pressure of European football and there won't be the extra scheduling. The only thing that would really count against them is if they hold on to Domenico Boerardi or not because if there, if there is any truth in the rumours of him moving to Inter, then he's going to be a very tough player to replace. And as judging by the first half of the season, Sassuolo struggled in Europe because he was out injured. And even in Serie A, they were struggling to collect points because of his absence. So although most people say that football is a team game, one player can still make a difference. And since Sassuolo have been in Serie A, Berardi has more often than not been the difference maker. Yeah, it seems like if he was going to get his move, it would have been last summer because he was very much the hot property in Italy and even maybe around Europe last year. But because of his injuries, it might help him to kind of stay off the radar for Sassuolo. Nick, enter the, uh, another loss. Um, one of the questions that's come in from Abdul addresses this. So he wants to know what the main problem is. And that's something that I was going to ask you as well, because... We've spoken about the off-field issues. You wrote a very good piece for Forza Italian Football, which I would recommend our listeners and viewers go and read, about Inter becoming a circus, I think was the word you used. But if we're going to talk about the players, this is the same group who had that amazing unbeaten winning streak of whatever it was, nine, ten games. What's happened? Because it's ridiculous, the contrast in form now. Um, yeah... <sighs> It is, um, it is ridiculous is a good word to describe it. Um, I think we're, what we're seeing is basically the, the remnants of what's been a failed transfer strategy over the last five years of ad hoc purchases of not really bringing in players um, with the right integrity or the right mindset, let's say, um, you know, to play for a club like the Nerazzurri that demand a certain amount of, you know, a winning culture that, you know, a club like that should have. Like, you know, I don't know how many times you use Juventus in that as an example. But to go from, as you mentioned, Connor, it was nine matches undefeated or seven matches in Serie A specifically to eight games without a win in the space of four months is just, it's it's almost unheard of in, in 
you know, professional football and top league football. It's just crazy, absolutely crazy. And it seems like, you know, to to be honest, it seems like everyone except uh, the inter-hierarchy seems to know that it's clearly not the coach, the coaches or the managers that are the problem. But yet, you know, Stefano Pioli obviously has um, departed last week. So another one's gone and the same results continue. So to the question what the problem is, um, at the moment, it, it's the players because the, the attitude is not there. They're not playing with any heart, any determination. But that's that's a flow and effect from bad management from the top. And, you know, in my piece that you mentioned, I talked about Pierre Auxilio, who he just renewed his contract a couple of weeks ago. You know, this is the guy that's masterminding a lot of these transfers, Um and arguably having the most say in the day-to-day football operations of the club. So you really have to wonder how he gets renewed and yet all these coaches just are running through over and over again. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a bad time to be an Inter supporter. I was telling you before, Connor, that it's, it's at the stage where I'm almost numb to it all. It's just I've never stooped so low as, you know, I've supported them as long as I can remember. So, it's um it's it is a a new low for me as a supporter and it's yeah well nick you say it's a new low and the statistics do back that up this is actually their their longest winless run in Serie A since 1982 mm. it's yeah it's unbelievable and yeah th- there's so many <laughs> there's so many people in that club that really need to take a good hard look at themselves and that includes some of the players and to be honest, uh, you have to wonder why some of them are still being played because there are fringe players. And I don't want to pull the Australian cl- uh, card out, but, you know, you've got Trent Sainsbury, who's a international centre-back who um, could be starting and you have to think he can't do any worse than Inter's defence at the moment. So, And, of course, Gabagol, who Inter have invested a lot of money in, who's also not getting any game time. So if the players on the field aren't going to put in, I don't understand why they don't at least give these other players a a shot at it yeah we've had another question and Vito I'm going to bring you in for this one it's again from Iron Holland whose name I am definitely not saying right but he wants to know have Inter brought in players that are known as quality players on their own but aren't that great together or like what else could be the problem do you think Vito I do believe that mentally that Inter aren't a particularly stable side. Admittedly, they are fragile. And as Nick mentioned, uh, Piero Osillo, I don't think he is a overly fantastic uh, uh, sporting director. I think he has paid more than he should for a lot of players, especially for defensive midfielders and central midfielders. Inter have been paying in my opinion, over inflated, I mean, yeah, inflated values. They've just really overspent when they really shouldn't. So another issue I'd say is talent identification. Uh, you buy all these defensive midfielders, as I've mentioned, but they're still lacking creativity in midfield. Mateo Kovacic was sold when Mancini was still the coach and Although he was inconsistent, at least he was someone who had that technical ability and that flair, but his form was just too patchy. Even so, uh, Osillo and the rest of the inter-directors, they should have identified players who could add more creativity and who could control the midfield because collectively Inter are rather poor, especially in the last few months. And... Really, you cannot really control a play just relying on defensive mids because that's not part of the role. The role is to run up and down the ground and to win the ball back, but they haven't got a genuine director of the play as such, and I think that hurts them more than what most people think, to be honest. Yeah, that was a good answer, and it's enough in the chat for me, and I'm sure the listeners... We'll go to our favourite part of the Serie A table, except for fifth place, uh, down to the relegation battle, where Crotone. finally the results everywhere went Crotone's way. Uh, they won, Empoli were beaten, and Genoa were beaten. But, Nick, is it too late? 
because they've got yeah. Juventus next week and Lazio on the final week. So they're within one point yeah. now, I think it is, of, yeah, they're on 31, Empoli are on 32, and Genoa are on 33. If they had done this two weeks ago, you'd have put any money on them staying up. But as it stands, it's not looking too good, is it? Yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, well, and you consider Empoli actually has um, Palermo in the final week. So, mm. you know, they're a chance at a point there at least. Um, um, so, yeah, it might be really unfortunate for the Calabrese. Um, I mean, you can't say enough about the run they do. It's, it's We speak about Inter's run being incredible, but Cotone is truly amazing. I probably doesn't get um probably doesn't get enough uh, credit how well they're going um they're, they're, they're only napoli has a better record than <laughs> them in the last um couple months like they are absolutely amazing it's, it's insane napoli particularly the, among goals as well i think they might have the same amount of points over the last eight games yeah it's um incredible so yeah um you think um, Genoa actually probably has a worse uh, run. They've got home to Torino and then away to Roma. But, you know, either way, Cotone need a result um, in in at least one of the weeks. So you'd have to think away to Juventus is close to impossible (laughs) unless for for some reason, um, I don't know, Lazio completely injures half the team on um, tomorrow. But... I think Lazio is going to be their only shot. Um, I guess they can hope that it's the final week. Lazio, they've had the Coppa Italia. They've really got nothing to play for. They've got that fourth place secure. So maybe they won't quite have their mindset right for it. So I think that's going to be the time. It's just a matter of whether a draw would be enough or whether they have to pull another of those miraculous wins out of the bag. I think It looks like it might be too late. I'm going to come across as an idiot, but I think Crotone will beat Lazio because, like you said, the fourth place is wrapped up. Um, depending on how the Coppa goes tomorrow, the leader will be completely deflated by not winning it or they'll have been celebrating for 10 days after. So I don't know. They're going to get... Yeah, that's true. So... It's not just Juve. It's Juve needing a win to clinch the league. But that yeah. Lazio game on the last day, I, I quite fancy them. They beat Inter and Milan at home. I know they're... Yeah. Circuses, but Vito, am I crazy or is there a chance? Not at all. I still believe in a Crotone victory at home to Lazio. Uh, winning in Torino is yeah, very unlikely, so I still believe that uh, you know the Galavese side can beat uh, the Bianco Celesti on the final day, and of course, you know, amply they got a sort of Easier draw, so there's probably a good chance they'll survive. And naturally, Genoa, Genoa, <laughs> they are the <laughs> own worst they are their own worst enemy, and they're making fools of themselves. Nick, will we just so as good as Crotone is, and they have been amazing the last couple of weeks or a couple of months, I should say. Crotone, if they do survive, can thank Genoa for being absolute garbage. <laughs> I completely forgot what I was doing when I threw that over to you and then I could just see it like rubbing your hands together I knew what was coming but yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you on that I think Ampoli will stay up and I'm going to say Crotone will stay up and Genoa are going to be in Serie B next year and that will make Vito Doria a very happy man oh yes but I think we go oh, go on no I was just going to say the two games Genoa have are against Torino and uh Roma, so at least for the football romantics out there, I'm sure that hopefully Bellotti breaks his scoring drought next week and push, puts pressure on Dzeko for the Capo Canoniere race. And on the final day, well, Roma's at home, maybe they can give Francesco Totti a good farewell. Nick, did you hear the way Vito just said Capo Canoniere? Leading goal scorer. Yeah, take notes, Nick. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, Nick, fill them in. Um, I guess you're referring to my videos about the huge, spectacular 2016-17 Forza Italian Football Awards. That's exactly it. Well, yes, there is a couple of videos that I've already put online. 
um, for the player of the season and the team of the season. And there'll be more coming. There'll be coach of the season up tomorrow. And, of course, the whole reasoning behind it is to get you guys to have a vote um, to actually pick who you want to be at each of these um, prestigious awards. Um, I think there's 12 of them in total. Um, so, yeah, um, watch the videos, follow the links to fortisitalianfootball.com and vote for your favourite player, team, coach for the season, whatever it might be, and we'll love you for it, I'm sure. Yeah, um, that video is excellent. Nick, you look fantastic all scrubbed up like that. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. And then when you sent the Well, you know, it's, video. You know, it's the awards night. I thought I'd um, only the best for FIF, Connor. You know that. <laughs> only the best players made the list as well. Um, but is there any way that our listeners and viewers can help us out to keep creating these amazing videos, Nick? Uh, not really. Yeah. No, no, there is, of course, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, if you enjoy what we do, whether it's on the website, the podcast, um, the YouTube videos, um, please go on to our Patreon page and give as little or as much as you can afford. Um, there are some rewards levels there as well, so you can become little um, honorary-type members of FIF. So please have a look at least. Um, and, um, yeah, there's there's some nice rewards there and um, there will be some new things coming soon which we'll have some information on, I believe, so look out for that as well. Um, but, yeah, as always, we do this as a volunteer thing, so um, we do appreciate your support to make the product as much, as best, as great as possible. Yeah, I just I just want to go to Bergamo a few more times, to be honest. <laughs> Help us out, guys. Um, Vito. Don't say that. <laughs> Vito, let the listeners and viewers know where to find you on them social media things. Well, on Facebook, I've got a fan page now. So just find me at Vito Doria. So that's uh, nice and easy. And then, of course, I'm on Twitter. So my Twitter handle is at Vito C. Doria. So, yeah, you can find more of my ramblings on there and read my articles and so forth. If you want to hear any more Genoa bashings, get on to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> We're going to have to save those for the pod, I think, just to get more people to listen. You can <laughs> those away on Twitter. Um, Nick, I haven't let you do it in a few months, but go on. Where can people find you on social media? I believe I'm on Facebook as well. I have a journalist page and Twitter.com, at Nick Z. Carroll is my handle thing. Hashtag. Uh, uh, hashtag what? I, I, I was going to say something, but I couldn't think of anything quick hashtag enough. Not witty enough. The dick. I am also on both Facebook and Twitter. Facebook is just at Connor Fancy Journalist and on Twitter at Con Calcio. Uh, you can follow us at Serie FFC. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well at Forza Italian Football. Those of you watching will be aware. Those of you listening might not. But we do have a YouTube channel. It's pretty bloody good. And that is just that Forza Italian football over there. Um, head over to the site and read some things. We've got plenty of good articles. Uh, Marco Jackson will be doing something for Thursday. It's a throwback piece to... I've forgotten what, to be honest, but Kev P will be previewing the Coppa Italia final and looking at Lazio's chances of causing an upset. And, yeah, that, that's pretty much that, guys. So... Say goodbye. Okay. See ya. <laughs> Nick's doing the Papu dance. It's not really an audio feature, that Nick, especially when you've got your mic muted. But that'll pretty much do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching live. Thanks a million for those of you who have been commenting. It really helps. We do enjoy it. But, yeah, that's pretty much that for now. So all that's left to say is ciao for now.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.